Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, here on another episode of Sudden Scrap Nation. It's a podcast. Uh, today is Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020, here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Coldish a little bit. It's like 68, 70 degrees. Hold on. Ooh, ooh, I can help you guys out. Give me one second. Um... Yeah, so it's, it, it had like a drastic change and got real cold out of nowhere. I think uh, um, I f- uh, let's see. Okay, hold on. Sixty. It's twenty Celsius here. Twenty point five Celsius. Okay, so yeah, I don't know. We got a cold front. Crazy. Anyway, there were fights this past weekend, and we'll get into those and we'll be also going over the fights coming up this weekend. I'll be doing all my breakdowns for that on this episode. We're just going to do one episode this week. Have been a little hectic in my life, so for right now, probably getting one episode out a week. Maybe we'll find a way to sketch or like sink in another one. But thanks to all the new listeners also, you can find all these podcasts and more Sun Scrap Nation podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify as well as going to our social media, Sun Scrap Nation, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. The website is down currently, but we're about to do a whole revamp. We're about to get a whole bunch of new stuff in there. We're going to have a paywall for, uh, for video content. I'm going to be putting out uh, technique videos. I'll be putting out videos of the podcast with... Uh, breakdowns but it's gonna be behind a paywall so i'll be able to put up some stuff that i see on espn plus and ufc fights and all that kind of stuff um so you'll get a whole new aspect of it as far as breaking it down getting ready for like the weekend or whatever to break it down a little bit better for you to because it doesn't really make sense what i'm saying um when i do a video uh usually i can't put any of the fight videos up there because copyright infringement so as long as i like put it behind a paywall um we'll be okay and you'll get like clear hd videos even though the fights this past weekend like when i go in to talk about woodley and covington i'll be able to bring it up and you guys will be able to see it and then technique wise i've got a whole bunch of back catalog technique stuff that i'll be throwing up there for you all right so that being said why don't we get into talking about what happened this past weekend, uh, UFC Fight Night, Covington versus Woodley. There was a lot of exciting things to happen from it, a lot of okay things to happen from it, and uh, yeah, not really any... Uh, I would say that Johnny Walker fight's a negative as far as technically. It's not like the wasn't the greatest fight. But anyway... Um, oh, in grappling news, shout out to um, Sean O'Malley for taking a local jiu-jitsu competition, Grappling Industries. He got second place to DeGaulle, who is a Danaher guy, blue basement killer, and he, Sean O'Malley lost via heel hook. Not surprising. This dude is like the next, like, as far as... Like uh, like mental game. Um, he's supposedly the next Danaher. That being said, um, shout out to Danaher guys. Still taking legs, even though they're like bat killers now, or they're guard. I don't know. I don't know what the newest. I think it's full guard is their newest uh instructional. Um. Okay. So. Hopping to the fights. I know we'll talk about some news. At middleweight, we had Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart. I think during the fight predictions, I picked Darren Stewart. Uh, Kevin Holland, he got two rounds in, and then the third, he let Darren kind of take over. He said he gassed out. He he was like, uh, uh, nah, fuck that. That was a bad performance. Dana, we can run it back if you want to. Props on him. I don't think it's that high level of a fight that you need to run things back and it wasn't stopped in a bad way that you need to run things back like for example the 
the Kutalaba versus Magomed, whatever. Um, for, forget the, uh, whatever. That, that fight was rescheduled because of a bad stoppage. That makes sense, and there's a, ho- a lot of hype behind it, even though ranking-wise, it's like, whatever. doesn't. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and this is one of those cases where it's not that big of a deal. You just move forward and make sure your next performance is even better. But shout-out to Kevin Holland for getting the win. Also, on the mic, he's really letting his personality through, and it's awesome. And through the apex, listening to him talk in the cage to Darren Stewart and then Darren Stewart talking back to him, I, I thought it was a great, you know, it, it's a new time where the crowd used to drown things out with the sound of it, the roar of it. Um, now you get the real more intimate parts, the cornering, the... For example, when people grab the cage, you now hear coaches are a lot more vocal than you thought about when people grab the cage. Anytime the coaches can blame a fighter for something so you can you know, try to get... It's all about getting an edge. So if, I, if I'm a coach and I see my opponent grabbing the cage for like a second too long, maybe even like a millisecond too long, I'm going ref, he's grabbing the cage. Just so, you know, I'm trying to help my fighter out any way possible. Um, whatever the case may be. So that's one of those things. And then, yeah, obviously the shit talking. That's fun. Uh, okay. And then we had Mackenzie Dern taking on Random Marcos, which was an interesting fight to me because Random Marcos, she was on a five-fight win streak at one point. Oh, no, she was. She lost to Amanda before that. Oh, wait. Was... Hmm, maybe she wasn't on a five-fight She was on a win streak at some point. Okay, so she loses to Nina Ansaroff. She submits Angela. She submitted Angela Hill, so shows, you know, her how good she And that was one of those things where she submitted Angela Hill. I assume that's why. And she beat Ashley Yoder. Ashley Yoder, I mean, is pretty heavy in the jiu-jitsu game. I, I, Claudia Gedalia beat you, though. So she, as far as, like, and then Amanda Hebus beat her. My question during the fight is, Mackenzie Dern, she looked great, right? As physically, she looked ready for this fight. More than she's ever been for, especially a straw weight fight, 115. She usually misses weight. And I think before that, she was, no, she always fought, she always fought straw weight. Yeah, I mean, anyway. Anyway, wait a minute. She looked great. She was working with Jason Perillo. Her hands looked fast. Uh, her striking looked good. I was excited to see her work. She threw a kick, balls, and then Ronda Marcos, for some reason, jumps in her guard in the first round. I get that maybe you could think ground and pound works and, like, guard isn't as dangerous in MMA, but you're a 115-pound woman, like, Mackenzie's going to take enough shots or she's going to, if she does take any shots, it's not going to be, the one's not going to be strong enough to knock her out. You know, it's going to, she's going to be able to eat a couple shots and still be able to work on a submission on you. Luckily for her, she landed right in a triangle position, allowed Mackenzie to just trap one arm with one leg. As far as street jiu-jitsu is going, she's doing pretty good. And then allowed to put all of her focus on the other arm. So Rhonda couldn't, inflict any damage without risking getting put in a triangle. Which then she moves to the armbar, and then she does a cool armbar transition, and then she gets an armbar judoka style, like, in the armpit, the way people are really finishing armbars at a high level. You're not just, like... High-level armbars, you're getting your whole body contorted around that one joint and isolating it so much that... It's almost you realize that normal arm bars are a risk because you're not – it's like a knee bar. Not a knee bar. It's like a heel hook, right? 
if I'm trying to attack your, if I'm trying to get a heel hook, I want to put enough pressure on the knee. But if I, if I give your the joint of the knee any room to move, I give the person a chance to adjust and slip that heel out. It's kind of the same thing with the arms because they're appendages. There's a big joint in the middle, and Mackenzie got her like her bicep, her armpit over the joint essentially to not let it move at all. So no matter how many hitchhiking escapes you do by turning your thumb down the way your coach or professor or whoever told you how to do it, it negates that because there's so much pressure that uh, – and and then, like, it's pinned. So there's no, like, wiggle room with if I just grab your wrist or however people do it. Anyway, beautiful armbar, beautiful display of jiu-jitsu. Um, following that, we had Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann, and that was a bar fight. It was just Ryan Spann injuring Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker injuring Ryan Spann, Ryan Spann injuring Johnny Walker again to then go for a double leg on him and then getting caught in the same position he got knocked out in the last fight that he had against... Um, No. Uh, Johnny Walker knocked someone out that way. Who did he knock out that way? Justin Ledette, I think he knocked out that way, where he just, like, elbowed him. Um, so he was working at SBG. Shout out, he gave a shout-out to Faraz. Uh He says he's – oh, he's not happy with his performance. Congratulations on the win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing technical about it. There's nothing more to talk about. Then we have the hype train. Uh, Hazmat Chmenev versus Gerald Merchart. We, um, you know, thought this was going to be that veteran fight that tested the new up-and-comer who was 8-0 at the time. Um, didn't even get a chance to go to the ground. Didn't even get a chance to try out their jiu-jitsu. Hazmat why I'm more hype about him than I am about Khabib is Khabib's TKO'd people, but he's never 22nd knock out somebody, like flatline them, drop them. Easy win. Right? He's beating everyone on two aspects. He's beating people with the grappling. He's beating them with the like knockout power. It's like, where do you, where do you go with this guy? Like, how do you fight this guy? Um, so it's just one of those, I'm hyping, I'm hopping on this hype train right now because technically he's doing all the right things. He's from Chechnya. I guess they have a great grappling program over there because it shows. Then he uprooted himself, went to all stars in Sweden and then just trained his hands with the same people that Gus trains his hands with and. If we know anything about Gus, his boxing's incredible. And then we can see it put to work. He just knocks out a, a savvy vet. First round, he cuts him off. Gets him just, I'm assuming, thinking there's going to be a takedown soon. Because they were talking shit and, and talking about like how whose ground game was better. And just had him thinking wrong. And Gerald Marshart, credit to him. like He went on Twitter and said... Immediately after, well, guess I royally fucked that one up. And what can you do? You let the hype train roll on, and it, I'm excited to see. I think they want to put him up against. I think they want to put him up against uh, Damian Maya, and that's a good fight. I just think with this knockout power, what stops? You know, Chimev, Chimenev, Chim, Chimiev. I don't know. Uh, to just sprawl and then knock him out. Like, I like the idea that you want to go grapple with Damian Maya. But now seeing his power, it's like, why don't you just sprawl and brawl him? Then, if you're, if you're that good with your hands, he's a big dude. So it's like, I guess, I guess you could go in there and test your grappling with him. Maybe the first round, get it all sweaty, like move around, stuff his takedowns, and then second round, start engaging in the grappling. But 
I don't know. And then he, he, well, he just came out saying that he wants to fight Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah, he's like, Chirp said, Wonderboy, fight me, not Edwards. I like that fight better just because, like, oh, you knock this guy out, <laughs> like, give him a striker. Kind of, like, helps the hype train. Whereas if you give him a grappler, it's not, I'm not saying it's his kryptonite, but if you give someone that, like, attacks with submissions, it's not going to help anybody. The crowd's not going to love it. Whatever. You, know, you get what I'm saying. We've seen it time and time again. Unless you get the Gilbert Burns situation. See, Hazmat versus Gilbert Burns is a super interesting fight to me. Both have knockout power, and their grappling is, like, anti-each other. Super top pressure from Hazmat. And then... And then, um... Just versatility and submissions. Dangerous from Gilbert Burns. Neo, neo-traditional jiu-jitsu. Like, the most... What's the word for it? Not most recent jiu-jitsu, but, like, he's up to date with it. The new wave of jiu-jitsu. All right, and then we had a draw in the Donald Cerrone versus Nico Price fight. Donald just didn't come to fight, and then Nico Price... You know, he hurt him a couple times, but he didn't finish him. Yeah, it's just... Technically, Nico outstruck him. I don't know. It's kind of like a whatever fight. And then we had Colby Covington versus Tyrone Woodley. And in that fight, we had a TKO finish, quote-unquote, where... Colby from, I'm assuming the kicks to the body, probably cracked Tyron's ribs in the fight because Tyron said that he felt it earlier on in the fight. And then I think in the position of the guillotine and then trying to push up with the other side, you put a lot of strain on your ribs and that could have easily just like popped them apart and really broke them and given him that excruciating amount of pain. But, I mean, what is there to say? Uh, Tyron didn't pull the trigger. Colby did exactly whatever what thought he was going to do. I understand that the ribs were busted. But if you, have a, if you have a nuke in your right hand, like, Colby was smart. He played it safe. He let Tyron advance, advance, and let him throw, and then he went for that takedown. Then you put that in your mind. Oh, great. He's going to take me down. Any chance that I overextend on a punch. But Tyron is getting back to the feet. Um, you know, Colby shot. He had eight takedowns, and he only landed three of them. So, and then Tyron landed a takedown. It, it wasn't that it wasn't compet it it wasn't competitive because Tyron didn't show up, but it also wasn't competitive because he just he he played his guard. I don't I don't understand the whole thing. Like I, it's a whole mentality for him. I it's the mental game. Like uh, his physical attributes are there. Anytime he would go forward and land shots on Colby. Colby retreated because it's, you know, it's a... Because they, you know, they they were good shots. But Colby would press him, and I don't know. I don't know. If you have a nuke, I don't just understand why you just don't let it go. Like, for example, this weekend we have Paulo Costa. He, He doesn't care about the takedown. He's got good grappling. Um, is it the best grappling? No, but he's confident in it. And he's confident that if he needs to get back to his feet, he'll get back to his feet. Tyron's got good grappling. He should be confident in it. He should be confident on the ability to get back to your feet. I know it, co- I know it takes a lot of energy. 
but just be confident in everything, and that's what it's missing. It's missing that confidence that he's able to just starch anybody. Um, Colby, though, on the other hand, did great. He did phenomenal. He landed those takedowns. He stayed on top. He had a very beautiful high crotch single in the third round or something. Um, He just stayed on him like glue, punched, kneed, did his thing, did the... I mean, I'm watching the highlights. Like, Tyron had good defense to what Colby... Like, he didn't seem overwhelmed by the grappling. He seemed pretty confident that he knew how to disengage when he needed to or when he could. And he didn't seem like... You know when Michael Johnson versus Khabib... No, Abel Trujillo versus Khabib? Where he just, like, looked at his corner and put his hands up? Like, it wasn't ever any time like that. It was just, like... Colby just could keep going and going and going, and Tyron just needed more of those breaks. So, I mean, but as far as performances go, I mean, just another one of those fights. What was more impressive, or what was more intriguing, was the shit-talking between him and Usman after. I thought that was hilarious. He loses his mind on Usman. Usman just has the same retort back and forth. I broke your face. I broke your face. And that's what he did. And then, I don't know. Colby's, like, trying to get into his head, saying, you quit, that's why you're running away from me, and I don't know. You got to do whatever you can to get that fight again. But Usman's got Gilbert Burns next, so we'll see. But those were the fights. They were good. More excited about the fights this coming weekend. There's so many. As far as, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many fights, and they're all really good, like explosive fighters, like fighters that are going to bring it and have heavy aggression. Okay, so taking place at Yaz Island once again. Oh, actually, let's go over some of the news. Remember, follow the podcast, unscrapnation.com, all iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to this thing. Write a review. Write some comments. Five stars, please. Five stars why you like it. Five stars why you hate it. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. Anything to make it bigger. Okay, uh, let's get into it. So news-wise, remember we got the return of Diego Sanchez, so it's his coach's week, Fabia, Coach Fabia, whatever. Get ready for some crazy shit. Um, Leon Edwards versus Stephen Warner Thompson would be nice. Uh, Adolfo Vieira out of Fight Island. Boo. Wait, was that this weekend? Who is he supposed to fight? Oh, Marcus Perez. No, it's next weekend. That'd be next weekend. No. Uh, two Where's this weekend? Oh, whatever. Um, I guess they're just scrapping it. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Where was I? Okay. Bellator signs Pitbull Brothers. Light heavyweight. Whatever. Charles Oliveira questions UFC's decision to have Michael Chandler as backup fighter for Khabib versus Gaethje. Yeah, man, I would actually like to see Charles Oliveira as the backup because that would be crazy. Khabib's... So, let's say Khabib or Gaethje pulls out and then they put Charles Oliveira in there. Khabib's like... His go-to is the wrestling, the ground and pound, the smash. So, if Gaethje's out and he pulls someone in new, 
and then you have to go back to your original game plan of just like, I don't really know this opponent. I didn't really train for this specific style. I have to go back to my original stuff. And Oliveira's shit is jujitsu, and he's a submission artist against heavy top pressure guys. I think it's a great backup. Gage is just another wrestler. So then you get Khabib, and you get, uh, or I meant Chandler's just another wrestler. So Khabib versus Chandler is interesting until until Michael Chandler wrestles him, and then you then there's like a realization that Khabib's on another level, and then Michael Chandler isn't able to wrestle him back, and it just becomes like this ragdolling fest. Then it's not as intrigued. But if you have a guy that's constantly trying to slap submissions on, and Khabib's trying to like bail out, he's like, no, fuck this, I can't even do anything like the how much of a reaction he had with Dustin Poirier like that's that's what I'm looking at is like he's like flipping to his back he's like oh shit he's always in danger he's questioning if he should even wrestle that's the kind of fight I'm trying to look at but whatever you know uh shout out to Stevie Ray he announced his retirement like I think yesterday um, Scotland's very own. And uh, hopefully he just does more jiu-jitsu competition. He was at Polaris, and he submitted Patty Pimblett. And so maybe more jiu-jitsu tournaments for him in the future. Why not? He's very good at it. All right, um, that's that one. Uh, let's see. What does this morning report here have to say? How about, what are we doing on time? Oh, we got it in bars, not in seconds. I forgot to put it in seconds. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Okay, never mind. Uh, 27 minutes. All right, we're good. Can I change it down here? Nope. Uh, fuck you, then. Okay, cool. Not even 30 months. Good, 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 good. Right on time. Uh, where was it? Where was I? Morning report. Morning report. Was today the 23rd? No, today's the 23rd. I'm not looking at that one. I'm looking at today's. Okay. Justin Gaethje, if I can beat Khabib and, Con- and then beat Connor, I will have submitted something that is unmatched. True. If he beats Khabib, like, fuck if you beat Connor. Who cares? Khabib's the real, like, this dude's undefeated champ, smashes everyone in his way. Yeah, if you go beat Connor and don't get starched by a left hand and take it to the third round, you'll be okay. HBO Real Sports details scary in- incidents with Nico Montagna. And your eye haul during segment on extreme weight cutting. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about that. City Kickboxing's got four people fighting this weekend. They've got Brad Riddle, Brad Riddell, Israel, obviously, Kai Carafranca. And Shane Young. Kai Carfranca's at flyweight. Brad Riddle's at, I think, bantamweight. I'm excited about the Kai Carfranca fight. He's going against Brandon Rivola. Uh, lightweight is Brandon Riddle. And Shane Young's at featherweight. I don't even have to say about Israel because we know where he's. We know what weight class he's fighting. Uh, 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 uh. Everyone wants to fight Leon Edwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Colby's number one again. <laughs> Wait, what? Why would Ben hate? Okay, you'd pick 
Adesanya versus Cost over the debates, but you would surely pick the debates over Reyes versus Blackowitz. What? what? Sounds like a good fight. I think it's a good fight. At least my idea of what it's going to be is a good fight. All right, so that's about it. Um, Bellator rebooks uh, Pat- Patricky Pajero versus Carvalho. Cool. Not much anything. Anything going else, else, uh, else, else. Nope, nothing going on here. Same shit here. MMA junkie and MMA fighting just reporting on the stuff that no one gives a shit about. Paulo Costa responds to Israel Adesanya's PED accusations. What does he say? I'm not on PEDs. Paulo Costa looks to be in amazing shape following the best weight cut ever. Who is writing these articles? Adam Martin. He looks good. He's a man that looks good. Yes, we all know he, he looks good even when he's not weight cutting. What kind of fucking articles are these? Rafael Desanja is reinventing himself for another run at UFC Gold. Really? Is he, though? How is he reinventing himself? Get into it. Let's see. His 36th birthday is coming up next month. Cool, man. What the fuck? Dos Anjos will be returning to action where he captured the like. He's still. Listen how bad this writing is. How do these people have fucking jobs? People, people get paid for this. Hotfield Dos Anjos returning to action, former weight class of 155, captured the UFC lightweight championship back in 2015, still eyeing a. a Still keeping an eye on what's happening at 170, which is why he was able to provide an interesting insight into what he believes will happen when Kamara Usman defends UFC welterweight championship against Gilbert Burns this year. I've known Gilbert since, like, first grade. Burns told MMA Junkie. Burns told MMA Junkie? You mean Dos Anjos, the guy you're writing a fucking article about. You guys are getting paid for what? For what? To tell me that he's turning 36 and can break down a fight? Talk about his fight. Don't just go to his fucking Instagram and go, oh, he's reinventing himself because he put a caption reinventing himself. Then you get a conference. Oh, he told MMA junkie not your- Got it. Okay. Don't write articles. These people fucking suck. Suck. Oh, my God. I'm about to pick on everyone now. All right. Israel still hasn't watched Rat Lip Hazmat Chimit Chimev fight yet. Okay, that's that's the article. Let's get into it. He said something to that was provocative. No, he called him a rat lip because he's got a that fucking stitch from a cleft palate. Why are we even talking about it? Why? Why? Because he knocked Gerald Mershout out last fight. Not taken away from that guy. It's just he's a welterweight. He hasn't done anything. He's not a champ. He's just a hype hype beast. All right. I'll give MMA fighting. At least this week. At least this week. They're not reporting on dumb shit. Is she even fighting this weekend? No, she's not. What what are we doing? Why are we what it wanna talk about someone how they deal with anxiety? Take Xanax. I don't know. Fucking who cares? So did 
I just Okay, so okay, so she is fighting. She, there's a replacement. No. No, no. She's not even fighting anyone. This is just ridiculous. I hate My media is just awful. Go to a gym once in a while. Everyone here, go to the gym once in a while and talk to a fighter. Have a sit down with a fighter that's not in front of a camera. Please. This is fucking... It's hard to sit here and look at these articles and see what these people are writing about. And they just... They have jobs. They have jobs. Okay. Let's break down fights. It's just, they have a section here. Pro fighters make their picks for Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. You guys are media members, right? You guys are journalists. I'm not saying that you guys are more credible than UFC fighters on commenting on who might win. But you kind of are if you then immerse yourself in the sport and actually train, compete a little bit. Jiu-jitsu is all, all around your sport. No one's punching you in the face. You can at least do that and at least develop a, some sort of admiration for it or some sort of, like, experience and develop some sort of, like, just appreciation for what the sport is instead of freelancing it to fighters. And guess what, guys? Not every fighter likes fights, and not every fighter likes watching MMA because to them, it's a job. And some of them have to do it. So if you were a professional in loving to talk about this sport, then fucking learn about it. Don't sit there and then just pick everybody, every fighter's brain about... Sorry, fighters aren't... Not every fighter is exciting, but that's okay. Marshawn Lynch, one of the most successful... I don't even know his position, but football players out there, doesn't like media. And he somehow made a career of not liking media. He doesn't like talking about it. So if he can be successful, there's going to be guys out there that aren't going to give you anything. And it's going to be a dull fucking article or something about it. So you yourself have to become interesting in order to make the sport interesting. In order to get people to want to talk about it. In order to get people to want to read your dumb fucking articles. But if you just come at me with this bullshit of... Rafael Dos Anjos reinventing himself for another run at UFC Gold because his Instagram said so. Fuck out of here. No one cares. Anyone can go look at an Instagram. It, it just no, no care and no effort. No effort. No effort. You guys are getting paid to write about a sport that, like, the, the uh, whatever. Okay, let's break down the fights. Before we do that, remember, sunscrapnation.com for everything. Okay, so as far as we got UFC 253, Yaz Island, ESPN um, Plus, I assume, and then pay-per-view. Okay. Uh, okay, so then we got the Saturday main cards at 10 p.m. Back to normal. Back to normal. As far as people to look for. First, uh, damn, dude. Okay, so we have a UFC newcomer who's 0-3 in the UFC in the early prelims coming against Danilo Marquez. Kadis Ibrahimov. Um, so it's pretty much one guy fighting for his contract and then the other guy trying to take it. Interesting fight. That should be a fun fight to start off the night. It's one person going for the other person's job, and they literally... Get to fight about it. Sick. Okay, and then you have Juan Espino versus Jeff Hughes. Juan Espino is... He's not a Tuesday night contender. I think he's a tough tough 28 winner. He hasn't fought since 2018, so... It'll be an interesting return. 
against uh, Jeff Hughes, who his last fight. Okay, he's 0 2 and won no contest, a draw against Todd Duffy. So he's a good guy to come back to. You know, once again, another fight where one guy's fighting for his job. So we get into the prelims. Prelims are pretty stacked. Um, William Knight versus Kamur. Kamur uh, beat Justin Ledet in a decision, but Justin Ledet is a tricky, savvy dude. And to be able to go out there as far as being, what's his record? 6 and 0, impressive. And then William Knight, Tuesday Night Contender Series. Uh, you know, a nightmare night. <laughs> to get a contract and also be from the Tuesday Night Contender Series, it's impressive. So that's what I'm trying to say. Then you have a Engage slash City Kickboxing newcomer Shane Young versus Ludwig Klein. Shane Young beat Austin Arnett in his last fight. He's 13-4. and four. I mean, to be new, but also have 13-4 and four as your record, the experience itself favors. Um, <coughs> explains why he's a favorite. Is one of the reasons why he's a favorite. It'd be one thing if he was a city kickboxing guy and he was like 6-0. and oh, But since he's 13-4, and four, he's fighting a guy that's 16-2, and two, so that idea of the veteran savvy of this guy is going to be able to take it. No, this guy's young, and he also kind of has some veteranness to him. It's an even fight. I don't know much about this Lud- Ludviot. He's a kickboxer. I don't know, man. Uh, I'll give a better idea. I like Shane Young, though. Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews. I think that's a great fight for Jake Matthews. Um, He's got to be... It's one of these things where he's got to be... He's got to be sharp and ready. And he can't just go in there and try to... Like, run out of gas and try to take him down. Because Diego Sanchez is... Gas tank one is unbelievable. If you give him any inch of breaking, he'll take it. And then you can't just like out wrestle him. Oh shit. I kick was nasty. That guy also tried to throw an elbow from like. Yeah, to be fair, that guy also tried to throw an elbow from kicking range and then you have a guy that's like that professional I don't know I can see why this is even this guy doesn't seem like a joke this guy seems fucking good oh his head kicks are Damn, shout out to Shane Young for taking this fight. Oh, god damn. His head kicks are nasty. Hmm. All right, well, it's definitely not the easy fight that, that uh, you're going to want. Hold on. What is the age? 25. Oh, jam. All right. Then you have Brad Riddell versus Alex De Silva. Cohelo. Cohelo? Sahel? Um, yeah, this is more of a, a fight to showcase Riddell. Uh, Riddell's got... A lot of kickboxing experience. He's kickboxed with the likes of Alex. Uh, Alex Pajeda, who, you know, knocked out Israel Adesanya. Um, so, 
and is just a beast. But Brad Riddell's fought him as well. Um, and he's been in the game as as much as his record. No, no, not not that. He fought uh, Rigon Israel, who is you know who's knocked out Nikki Holtzkin. So as far as like uh, striking wise, he's a very high level striker. And he's very, he doesn't have a lot of fights in the UFC, but his, just like Izzy, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, a lot of fights in the UFC, but definitely, you know, high level. So I can understand if he's a betting favorite for sure. Jake Matthews is a negative 750 favorite. Whoa. Dude. Uh, underdog, I'm going to put it on right now, Diego Sanchez. If you want to make underdog money, put Diego Sanchez because that's ridiculous. I'm not saying Jake Matthew doesn't deserve to be a favorite, but 750 to plus 475. Like Diego, Diego Sanchez is a savvy veteran, and at this point, it's like, like the more the sport evolves, the people that are the underdogs – like there, there should not be that wide of a gap because there's only so much skill you can have in between the two. That unless and Jake Matthews isn't like he's not this new guy. He's been around the game for a while. He's not a, you know, one hitter. I mean, he, he did beat him. He's not a, yeah. Rocco Martin submitted him. Like he's been submitted. I mean, he's beat some really good guys at welterweight, but, you know, you never know. It's crazy. <laughs> 750. That's my underdog card. That's my underdog of uh, of betting if you want. All right. In the main card, we have the return of Hakeem Dawadu versus Zubaria Tukov. Tukov. I don't know. Uh, Tukov is really, really good. Um, I'm sure the, yeah, it's very even. It's 125 to 105. Zabaria, it makes sense um, because Hakeem's been stopped. He has not been stopped. He beat Julio Arcek. No, he has been. He was stopped by Danny Henry. He guillotine choke. Don't try to fucking play my mind like that and gaslight me. Google, don't you ever try to do that. Um, but right now he's on a four fight win streak. But this Tukov guy, his only loss is to Hinata Moikanya in the UFC. That's high level. Dude, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I would, I would go, especially since he's like in Abu Dhabi, so it's like kind of fighting on home soil for him. He gets more love there. All right, and then you have a women's bantamweight fight: Ketlin Vieira versus Sajara Eubanks. Ketlin Vieira coming off her first loss of of Irina Aldana, getting knocked out. Um, I think this is one of those cases where you know. She is the Jose Aldo of the women's division coming from Novo Union in Brazil. She gets knocked out. Uh, she has a very competitive fight. I think she and Irene Aldana should definitely take it back, like fight again at some point. So Jar Eubanks, I think, is coming. Yeah, get quick turnaround. I think it was like a couple days' notice. So, I think it's going to be good for her. And, yeah, it'll be a good card or a good fight. I mean, I think Ketlin wins. Her wrestling credentials are ridiculous. I mean, she's a Brazilian national wrestling champion. She's a woman. So, like, in Brazil, that's a big deal. 
You have to jump a lot of hoops and be a strong person as far as uh, to compete and win. So, yeah. So it's a big two for the weight class. Um, oh wait, what is she? And so Jara Eubanks usually fights at what? Bantamweight? Yeah. All right, so moving on. We got the Kai Karafanka fight versus Brandon Ravola. Brandon Ravola coming off of a win to Tim Elliott. Yeah, he submitted Tim Elliott in the second round, which is an impressive win to me because Tim Elliott is the sneaky submission guy, and if I was going to put money on either of those two who was going to submit who, I was going to put money on uh, Tim Elliott. But, yeah, he's a guy that you can't, like, You can't sleep on him. He could come in as a as a spoiler. So I'm gonna check. Yeah, he's a he's another underdog. He could be my underdog of the main card if you want to call it that. For sure. Actually, well, it depends. Hold on. Mm. Main card wise, save your under save your underdog pick. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's a good. I think Brendan Ravola has a chance to upset it, but you know if if City Kickboxing is trying to go for the four peat, Kai Bronca decision Tyson Nam, who's killing it right now. Um, Brendan Moreno decisioned him. But he beat Mark De La Rosa, Halian Paiva. He's beat some really good guys as far as the featherweight or flyweight division is concerned. So, you know, hopefully the whole fight team together gets the four peak together. That's what you hope. So, as far uh, as. Then co-main event, you have Dominic Reyes versus Juan Blakovich. And Dominic Reyes, coming off of his loss to John Jones, I think there's a good chance that he got the rub. And he, you know, he feels like out of everyone that fought John, in his mind, he feels like he was the most successful. Uh, I personally think the first Gus fight was the closest John Jones fight. But regardless, you have the most like crisp John Jones at the age of fighting Dominic Reyes. And Dominic Reyes can only get better. Then you have Juan Blakovich, who, you know, he's not, I would, cons- I don't think he's the favorite. Yeah, he's not the favorite. But man, if you wanted to put a night where the underdogs shine, the two biggest underdogs, not biggest under, but like the two underdogs in the main and co main event, Costa and Juan, are guys that the, the numbers should be closer. Because you look at the people that Blakovich has beat. Corey Anderson knocked him out. Uh, decision, Jacare knocked out Luke Rockhold. Chago Santos KO'd him. Submitted Nikita, uh, Nikita, Nikita Krolov. Decision, Jimmy Manawa. He decisioned Jared Cannonier. Submitted Devin Clark. And he's been in there with some of the best, like Gus. And and to... For example... Okay, so here's a good example. Here's a good example. Juan Blakovich knocks out earlier to Tifi in 2014. Gets put on the stage. He loses to Corey Anderson through a decision. Loses to Jimmy Manawant through a decision. Fast forward to... 2000. 18 beats Jimmy Manawa to get that decision back, and then he beats 
Corey Anderson by knocking him out to get that uh, to get that win back. He got better, and he's he only is getting better. And I think he's a more well-rounded fighter than Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes has great footwork and he's very athletic and yada yada yada. He's a power puncher, all these different things. I think he needs more time, and I think Juan's going to be is a good chance that he could upset. Like, he could be the one to, you know, he's also tough. Blagovich is tough. He doesn't just get, um, I mean, it has to be a pretty clean knockout. Um, who, knock, who knocked him out? Oh, da, 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 da. Thiago Santos knocked him out. And that was like a, was a crazy shot. So, I mean, if he learned from that and he doesn't let Dominic Reyes get too, quote-unquote, athletic on him, um, and doesn't catch him like one foot backward, like OSP just did to to Menafield. Like he caught him with a check hook where like he wasn't on balance and that kind of thing. Like you can't let them get all athletic. Otherwise, you're going to get caught. So if he keeps it technical and he employs some of his wrestling and he just, you know, keeps it very fundamental then he can start implementing, like, more advanced technique that maybe Dominic Reyes isn't used to. So I think it's a pretty sneaky win from Juan, to be honest. Like, I I think he could definitely win this. If he goes to decision, I think, think Juan Blakovich could take it. Um, I think he holds a power in his hands that you can't sleep on. Whereas John... Like, it allowed Dominic to come forward because he knew that Dominic knew that he's the one that held the power in the confrontation. So hopefully, like, getting a really close fight to John doesn't make him think he's invincible and um, overlooks Juan Blakovich. All right, and then the main card, you got Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Two undefeated fighters. Most, one of the most exciting matchups in the middleweight division. Israel Adesanya coming in as the favorite, obviously being champion and having a more seasoned credential striking record and Paulo Costa being the striker. Paulo doing a lot of crazy things as far as adding Henry Cejudo to his camp during fight camp. Bringing a lot of tall, lanky strikers that have you know, that have kickboxing records or boxing records or MMA champs or whatever, but hold the same kind of body. He's doing all the right things, right? He's taking this fight camp very seriously. Um, technically, I, I think he's working on a lot of... What was he doing? I forget what they were talking about. They, like, he has to pick the pace up. Like, uh... And they were telling the guy, like, when he goes side to side, you can't let him get to that moment where he... Because Israel does a very good job of getting away from the black lines. Or if you're, if he's, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's part of the spider training, but anytime Israel gets me on the black lines, he's fucking out of there. Um, and so it's a lot about, like, trying to corner this guy, trying to be the two steps. When you're trying to cut someone off, you always have to be two steps ahead of them. But you don't want to, like overdo it on being ahead of them. Like, you don't want to overextend yourself because then they're just going to, you know, juke you out. So you need to be two steps ahead. Or if they try to go the other way, two steps the other way. But you don't want to be, like, two steps, possibly three. Because then that allows them a little bit of a escape. So Israel, having very good footwork for being a kickboxer, it's going to be that kind of game. Like, does he just pressure him forward? And Israel just bang, 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 and, like, picks him, like, starts punching him and kicking him at, like, all different areas. Um, and then uses his footwork to slide out of the way, um, either way, left or right, as Paulo comes crashing in. And then it's just a rinse and repeat kind of victory where it is like a bull in a matador. But let me explain the analogy to a point where it's almost over-explained. 
Israel Adesanya, being the matador, has the cape. He has the swords. Every time Paulo Costa comes in, he tags him. Bang, 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 whatever it may be. Makes it a real fencing match. Ding, ding, ding. Right? Hitting swords, and then he pokes him. And every time he pokes him with something. And when I mean pokes him with something, he probably kicks him, he punches him to the, to the body, to the head. Maybe kicks him in the leg on the way out, or you know, does some body work on the way out. Does something, you know, as he comes in. What is it? I'm trying to, I think, as, as they're going out, you go up, up, down. So when they're going away, you go head, body, legs. Because it's the things that are the last things to be there. So when they're coming forward, you go legs, body, head. So when Israel's coming forward, maybe it's like leg kicks and then out the outside. Eventually, the bull is going to be stabbed enough where he just gives up and he loses steam and he starts to get tired and he sinks down and then that's when you're supposed to kill it. And in this situation, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to pick him apart for five rounds and hoping in the fourth or fifth, and that's what I'm thinking, is it's almost like the Gaslam fight. Gaslam came to fight. Gaslam was getting dropped by like the fifth round. First round, yeah, Israel got dropped once. But by the fifth round, Israel was hitting with every shot he hit him with was dropping him. Because it's just the incremental damage done over a long period of time that you're hoping that you're going to tire this person out till that every shot that they're breathing heavy and their jaws lack, relaxed, that you can just clip them. And every time, boom, down. And then they come back up and they're like, oh, and then drop them again. So he's hoping that Paulo comes to fight. So that way he can be the matador and he can stab the fuck out of him. But the problem with playing the matador is at the end of the day, you're trying to fuck with a bull and they got horns. And if they gore you, you're dead. It's easy. It's one, two, three. That's Paulo Costa's um, plan. Dan Hardy made a really good point, though. Paulo Costa doesn't have straight up. Chimenev knockouts, right? He's never hit someone and they've never just like uh, accordion down. They've never like collapsed like an accordion. Israel's got more of that power, but that's because people come towards him and then on top of his wide back and his ability to generate force where er people couldn't because of his proportions, um, their momentum plus his beautiful technique and aiming and firing instead of um, throwing and praying um, helps him. The precision helps. So I think with Paulo Costa, as much as he's a whirlwind, I don't see him knocking out Israel with one punch flatline. I think it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be multiple gorings. Like he's going to have to like keep. And when it comes to a fencing game, that's why I see Israel being more of the winner in this. Is because Israel's just better at fencing. And Paulo has never showed me that he's just he he's not like Rumble Johnson. Like he doesn't have that boom, pink done. Like he doesn't have that power that we've seen. So I think uh, it's going to be a more of a fight of fencing, and in that kind of fight, that's where Israel kind of wins. The reason why he, Israel lost to Alex Pajeda is because Alex Pajeda took his soul, like, knocked his soul out of his body. Apollo's never showed me that power. It's all been TKOs. So as much as you, I, I could see Paulo being a good underdog as far as the bet on, take your underdog bet, put it on Juan Blokovic, because he's got the Steelers' soul kind of power, because if you saw Luke Rockhold's face after getting knocked out, like, that's Steelers' soul kind of power, and put your money on Israel Adesanya. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think... City kickboxing gets a four-peat, and I think we see a good, or maybe they don't get a four-peat. Maybe they get a little scared because Shane Young has a Ludwig Klein dude. But maybe he does beat Ludwig Klein, and they get a four-peat, and then Engage gets put on the map. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, I see Israel, Juan, Kai Carfranca, Franca, Ketlin Vieira, and 
Zubari Tukov as your winners this weekend. All right, that's all I've got for you. I'll be back on Monday, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I don't really have any. I don't think I have any for Monday. So. Um, I'll be back on Monday to break down the winners and losers. And um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll be back to break down the winners and losers. And until then, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy the fights. And until next time, I've been your host as always, Daniel Jonas. This is Sun Scrap Nation. Peace.